You're listening to audio from Northway Church. For more information about Northway and additional resources, please visit northwaychurch.com. Amen. Thank you, Lucia. Thank you, Castles. Church family, good to see you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Come on. There we go. We're in the mood tonight. Uh, If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Shay Sumlin. I'm one of the pastors here at Northway. So grateful you're with us. Uh, really great that, uh, grateful that uh, Josh Duncan, our worship leader, is with us tonight. If you don't know, Lainey, his wife, is due any moment. And so I'm going to be as brief as I can in this message, or we're going to have a very special live nativity for you right outside <laughs> when this is done. But uh, we are grateful to be together here this Christmas Eve. If this is your first time with us at Northway, we're grateful you're here. We are not a flashy church, not super impressive. We don't have fog machines. We don't have crazy lights. We don't have flying drummers. We don't have a lot of things that are going on. But what we do have is the body of Christ gathered here tonight to celebrate and to worship our Savior who is given to us. So that's what we're here for. Um, tonight is really an extension of a, a sermon series that we've been doing for the last uh, several weeks in our Advent season here at Northway called Worthy of Our Songs. We've been looking at some old school, OG, antique hymns uh, around Christmas, and we've been looking at the, the meaning of them, the theological meaning of them, the history behind them, and why they're worthy of our singing. We've looked at Classic carols such as O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We looked at Come, Thou Long-Expected Jesus. We looked at Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Last week, we looked at O Holy Night. We're even gonna do a bonus episode next week on New Year's Day. We're gonna look at Joy to the World, which is actually not even written as a Christmas song, believe it or not. Uh, But we're gonna look at that next week. But this week, tonight, on Christmas Eve, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the birth of our Savior, we wanna look at a song that is over the years become actually the most popular song to sing on Christmas Eve. It's actually, many of you may not even know, the most recorded song in all of human history. And it's actually Bing Crosby's version of it is the third most sold song uh, in all of song sales. And it is the song Silent Night. For us, it's really the context behind the song that becomes uh, the biblical hope that we look to in Jesus Christ that points us towards him. It becomes the reason why this song is worthy of our singing, and especially on a night like tonight. Uh, If you're not familiar with a little bit of the history of the song, it's actually written uh, in 1816. Uh, It was written by a Catholic priest named Joseph Moore. Joseph Moore was born in Austria in 1792. He was the third, uh, the, the youngest of three illegitimate children in his family. His dad, who was a mercenary soldier, took off and bailed on the family, abandoned them, uh, deserted the military, took off, uh, left the mom who was impoverished, who was a seamstress, to try to make ends meet, she could barely do it. And so in God's grace, it was a local church in Austria who took those children in and fostered Joseph Moore. And uh, actually it was the choir master who kind of became a spiritual father to Joseph Moore and began training him in music. But eventually Joseph Moore got trained to be a priest himself. And so By the time 1816 rolled around, he's uh, pastoring a church in Austria and he takes the time 
to write this, it wasn't even written as a song, it wasn't even written as a hymn, it was written as a poem uh, that was entitled, um, uh, let me use my German real quick here for you, uh, Stila Nacht and Heilige Nacht. Take that German right there. It means silent night, holy night. And two years later is when this song would come alive. 1818, Joseph Moore's now pastoring at another church, St. Nicholas Church of all churches is there. And uh, it's Christmas Eve, 1818. And as the story goes, that afternoon as they're preparing for the service, the organ in that church breaks and they don't have any way to perform the music that they had arranged for that evening. And so quickly, in a panic, Joseph Moore goes to his desk, pulls out this poem that he had written two years earlier, hadn't touched it since. He runs two miles down the road to his organist's house, Franz Gruber, not to be confused with Hans Gruber of diehard fame, but Franz Gruber, and says, I need you to arrange some sort of music that can be written for a guitar that a choir can sing to this poem. And then it took off. Christmas Eve, 1818, silent night, holy night, takes off and becomes incredibly popular, not only with that congregation, but with many others, all the way to the point to where by 1839, the song had made its way to New York City where it was translated to English and became for us silent night, holy night as we know it, and then would actually become the most popular song in American history in the 1860s. But that's a little of the background on this song. And here's how the song goes. We'll sing it here in just a moment. Silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosts sing alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Yes, Christ the Savior is born. And then the last verse, silent night, holy night, son of God, love's pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Joseph Moore wrote this poem because at the time, the Napoleonic Wars had just ended and they had absolutely shredded apart Europe, had divided the people. It was hostile. There was all kinds of devouring going on, continual infighting and hostility, war-torn country, much like social media on any given day. And what's interesting to me is this is what inspired Joseph Moore to pen this poem because of the division that was around him from the Napoleonic Wars. What made this song the most popular song in America in the 1860s, what's going on in the 1860s? The Civil War which was shredding our country, dividing our country. And so in writing this poem, Joseph Moore is doing a couple of things. One, he's taking himself in his mind's eye back to that night in Bethlehem 
imagining a still night in which Christ was born, as is described in Luke chapter two, of the angels over in the skies, over the shepherds in Bethlehem, yet against the backdrop of another war-torn Israel being dominated by Rome at the time. And he takes himself to that manger scene. But secondly, and most importantly, in writing this poem, he is pointing himself with all the division around him to the peace that can only come in Jesus Christ. And he wrote this to point others to the peace that can only come in Jesus Christ. The true peace that Jesus has brought to the earth as the only answer for mankind's hope of reconciliation and peace with God and to one another. And in fact, this is what the scriptures tell us that the birth of Jesus was indicating when he came into the world that ultimately the culmination of Jesus Christ's work on the cross is this, as Paul writes in Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse 11. Just listen to these words. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and the commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace and that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. This text is a great reminder of why it is that Jesus came, what we celebrate this evening together and what this song, Silent Night, is ultimately pointing us to is that reconciliation has happened. Peace has come upon the earth. And there are really two great hostilities that the scriptures speak to that exist in our lives that Christ has come to cease with his peace. Let me just highlight those briefly. The two great hostilities that we're gonna face in our lives, first and foremost, is our hostility with God. Your greatest hostility in this life, as stressful as this week has been, is not the shopping that you've just endured. Your greatest hostility is not the in-laws that you are currently hosting right now. Don't nudge them right next to you. Your greatest hostility is not our government and the politics. It's not the bills that you have to pay. As stressful as all these things can be, no, our greatest hostility is actually not one that's external. It's one that's internal. It's not even one that's first and primarily horizontal. It's first and primarily um, vertical. It's our hostility with God. The Bible calls it sin. And it's that condition that we are born into, that we are born with every single human being because we had a forefather in our human race who was the first to rebel against God, who in Genesis chapter three, rebelled against God's commandments and chose to be his own God. And in doing so, all who are made in his likeness, which is you and I, are born into this world 
in this condition of sin and rebellion towards God. Sin is not just something you do. Sin is actually what we are. It's what dwells within us in our rebellion with God. It is born within our hearts and it affects all that we think and that we say and that we do. And when our first parents sinned, a judgment ensued, a curse ensued upon all of humanity. And it led as a result to us being separated from God, making us now not his family, but his enemies. And there is no amount of good works, the scriptures tells us, no amount of religious efforts, no amount of of charitable merit that you can uh, try to earn in order to win the favor of God back, in order to win that reconciliation and that relationship with God back. We are born separated from God and we are unable in our own selves to repair that relationship. Only God could provide the perfect solution by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, who is like us in that he was born in the flesh, but he was unlike us in that he was conceived of a virgin without sin as the rest of the human race and who could live the life that you and I failed to live, who would die the death on a cross that you and I deserve to die and who would raise from the grave to give us new life. Y'all, this is why Christmas and Easter are inextricably connected because Christ's purpose of being born was so that he would die, so that he would raise, so that we could receive new life. This is the hope of the promise of Jesus Christ coming into our world. And only by placing our trust in Jesus Christ, in his work, not ours, can we, through faith in him, receive true salvation, true reconciliation to the Father and have peace between us vertically and peace that is in our soul settled once and for all. This is First and foremost, why Jesus came, to bring reconciliation for us and God. But in addition to that, the second hostility that we face, and we face it every day, is our hostility with one another, right? We all do things that bother us. You do things that bother me. I do things that bother you. Uh, You have family. They're going to bother the mess out of you the next 24 to 48 hours. It's going to happen. We have hostility with one another. But once we are brought near to God as an act of grace that is received by faith, only then does the scriptures tell us that the dividing wall comes down. Those of us who are once enemies towards each other, now we who've received the same same grace from Jesus Christ, the playing field is leveled. We all have access to the same father. We're all brought in by faith into the same family. And we have been made one people who are totally different than us, people who are formerly enemies of ours are now made into family called the church, a new humanity in Jesus Christ with God as our new head and now making peace with one another. Y'all, this is something that the United Way cannot do. This is something that the Red Cross cannot do. This is something that your Kiwanis Club cannot do. This is not even something good sportsmanship can do. This is something that only the work of Jesus Christ has come to do, to unite us to God and to unite us to one another through grace that is received through Christ's work on the cross by declaring that our sins have been forgiven and that we are made new. 
This is the hope of Christmas. This is what Joseph Moore was looking to when he contemplated that manger scene in Bethlehem, thus describing what he saw in the birth of Jesus Christ as nothing less than the dawn of redeeming grace. If you are lacking peace in your life right now, the Bible doesn't promise that by putting your trust in Jesus, all your circumstances are going to change. No, they may actually get even worse in some ways. You are not promised utopia right now. That day is coming when Christ returns. But right now we are not promised that. But it does promise that we can be made right with God. It does promise that we can be forgiven and we can be made new. And you can experience a kind of silent night in the recesses of your soul. And a peace that the scriptures say transcends all circumstances. And that you can be brought into a new family. And you can experience the oneness that Christ has come to bring us. Y'all, this is the joy and the hope of Christmas. This is what we're celebrating. If you have yet to put your trust in Jesus Christ as your savior, if you are lacking peace with God, if you are feeling hope, hopelessness, and distance this Christmas Eve, then I would say to you, as the angel said to those lowly shepherds in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people. For unto you in the city of David, a savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. Fear not. By the way, just side note, I was watching it this afternoon. How many of y'all have watched Charlie Brown Christmas this year again? Anybody? Well, less than half the room. Y'all got to step up your game. You've got just a little bit of time left to get that movie in. How many have watched it at all? Okay. Okay, good. Praise God. We're moving ahead as a culture. Um, many of you may know this. Some of you may not. One of the most beautiful hidden things in Charles Schultz when he wrote uh, this for CBS uh, decades and decades ago, uh, the, the central character at the reading of the good news of Jesus Christ is Linus. And Linus steps onto that stage. Linus is deeply insecure. He's the only one that carries a blanket around uh, everywhere he goes. He's deeply insecure. And if you've ever watched A Charlie Brown Christmas, you'll notice when Linus reads these words, fear not, it's the only time he drops his blanket. Because his deepest insecurities are met in Jesus Christ. So I don't know how you came into this room tonight. I don't know what kind of hostilities and stresses and insecurities you're walking in. But I know there is a God who has provided peace for you that transcends all circumstances. Who has brought his son Jesus Christ into the world. A savior that is given for you. And if you have yet to cease from your striving, I would invite you to turn from your own works and put your trust in the work of Jesus Christ and allow him to make you new from the inside out and become your security. Amen? Amen. And invite you to do that. And if you've already done that, then for those, those of us who have, then let us join with the angels in exclaiming as they did that night, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace with those whom he is pleased. In the spirit of that, I would love for us to now sing Silent Night. Um, I want to invite the band back here up on the stage. I'm going to ceremonially light our candle here in just a moment. But I want you to do this. As we sing this song, I want you to put yourself for just a moment at that manger. 
among the shepherds, beholding Jesus Christ. With all the division, with all the hostility that is around you, posture yourself as beholding Christ's birth and just be in awe of the peace and the forgiveness and the reconciliation and the hope that has now come into the world through Jesus Christ that is for you, that is for you. Thank you for listening to this message from Northway Church. A podcast should never replace gathering with God's people to worship Jesus. So we want to encourage you to be a part of a local church family. We meet every Sunday at 9 a.m., 11.15, and 4 p.m., and would love for you to join us as we encounter the truth, beauty, and goodness of Jesus.